Father God, what a day you've given us. What grace have you given us? There's some good things to be done here in this church. But good people that are made good through the blood of Jesus. We're all broken. But Jesus' blood is the holy glue that keeps us together. It's the only thing that put us back together. Because our sin broke us apart. Lord, I pray that Matt's message from your word lifts us up, but it challenges us as well. For this church to be more than just a place where people gather, we be ambassadors of Christ. Love those who are hard to love. Go to the places that are hard to go. Do the things that people don't want to do for your name's sake. Lord, continue to work with us. Guide us. Help us through this journey called life. And using your spirit as the compass. God, we love you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark chapter 10 is where we're going to begin our begin today, and it's going to be the text we're going to be in. Mark chapter 10, and we're going to begin in verse uh, 17 and walk through it down to verse 28, which will be our major text, be 28 through 31. And there was this guy that comes to Jesus, and he was very rich, and he was a ruler, so he had a high position in society, and he had and he was well-to-do, and he comes to Jesus, and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, keep the commandments, and the, the guy said, I've kept the commandments. And then Jesus presses a little bit farther, and he says, go and sell all that you have and follow me. And as you know, if you've ever heard the story before, the man went away sad because he had great possessions, and he couldn't give up all the things the world had to offer to follow Jesus. He, he couldn't do it. He held those things so dear that he would not let those things go to follow a greater treasure who is Jesus. And Peter and the disciples have heard this and they ask questions. And so we get to Mark chapter 10, especially in verse 28. And Peter says this. He says, he won't give up everything, but we have. Verse 28, he says, Peter began to say to Jesus, to him, see, we have left everything and followed you. They did. They left their boats because he was a fisherman, left his father's business. They left everything to follow Jesus and be his disciple, which means they followed him around the countryside, hearing his teachings and following him and being with him. We've left everything. And, the, and Matthew mentioned the question is like, we've left everything, so what do we get <laughs> is, kind of the, is kind of the question. And so Jesus said in verse 29, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house 
or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, and children and lands with persecutions. That's just thrown in there for fun. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Jesus said, to follow me means to leave behind a lot. And for these gentlemen, especially those who are there, they have left behind their way of life. They have left behind their family. They have left behind their livelihood. They have left behind so many things. And Jesus said, not everyone who has left those things will receive a hundredfold now of land and brothers, sisters, family, and persecutions with persecutions on the side. You get all this stuff and there's a little persecution added on. And you also receive eternal life. And so there is this great blessing that Jesus promises to those who have left him or left everything for him. And I want to get this picture, what we've been doing the last several, several months. We have taught, walked through the I am statements in John to lay out who Jesus really is. And now we've laid out those I am statements, we are laying out who we are. Who I'm talking about we, we as a church, as the church of God. And those, and we looked at that last week when we looked in Matthew chapter 16, the church is this called out group of people, called out to believe in Jesus, to worship Jesus, and to make Jesus known. We're called out of darkness in the light by the works of God. No one comes to the Father unless, no one comes to the Son unless the Father draws him. That was one of the I am statements. That's John 6, 44. And so we've been called out by God the Father to believe in God the Son and to form this group of people that exist to love and worship God and to make him known. And so that's who we are. So you've heard it said Here's the church, and here's the steeple. Open the doors, and here's all the people. But that's not the Bible. The Bible says, here's the church, it's the people, and sometimes they meet in a building with a steeple. And I said sometimes. So it's the called out people of God. We're called in his possession, and the called out people of God aren't aren't just a group of people, but the Bible describes us as a family. And if you would, I'm going to keep your finger here in Mark chapter 10. If you want to turn, if not, it'll be on the screen. I want you to see Romans chapter 8 says this. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons whom we cry out. Abba, Father. Now, if you follow Romans 8, the book of Romans does this. It lays out the gospel, which is the good news about Jesus, which is the cornerstone, Jesus being the cornerstone, and this is the entranceway. The gospel is the entranceway into the people of God. It's more than that, but it's definitely the entranceway. And Paul has laid it out in the book of Romans, and we get to Romans chapter 8, and you get Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Because of Christ, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You have avoided because Christ took on all condemnation that was due because of sin, and we trust in him, and we're in him. We, have, we don't have to fear punishment from God. And then he goes on in Romans chapter 8, and Paul says this, I did not receive, we did not receive the spirit of slavery, because sin makes us slaves. 
to fall back into fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry, Abba, Father. So we're no longer slaves, but now we have the spirit of adoption and we call out to God as Father. This is so foreign. It would have been foreign for the Jews to hear this. It's definitely foreign for any of anybody out there who's a Muslim. They see God as this transcendent Allah. But Christ comes and he makes Jesus, it makes the Father known, and we can call out to him, Abba, Father. We don't have the spirit of slavery anymore to sin. Now we can come close to God. In verse 16, the Spirit himself witnesses to our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we, and, and here's the thing, we're all these things, and then it says, provided we suffer with him, in order that we also might be glorified with him. And so here's the deal. The church is not just this group of people called out. It's the group of people called out who's a, that are a family. And we need to recognize the familial nature of the church, that it is a family. And that is why, going back to Mark chapter 10, that's why Jesus says these things. Peter's like, hey, that rich guy would not follow you. He had too much stuff. And he went after his stuff other than you. We have followed you. We've left everything to come after you. What do we get? I think it's fair to say. They've left everything. What do we get? And the blessing that they get is the family of God. It's what we see here, in back, back to Mark chapter 10. It's this spirit of adoption that they're now a part of God's family, and now they have these brothers and sisters. And so there's this blessing. And what is the blessing? It's the people of God. Look in the verses again. Jesus, Peter, in verse 28, Peter says, see, we've left everything and followed you. What do we get? <laughs> he didn't do it. We, these people, are following you. We've left everything. That's the call of Christianity is to come to Christ, to follow Christ. In verse 29, Jesus said, truly, I say to you that there is no one who left House or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel, who would not receive a hundredfold now? So here is the blessing to follow Christ. And I want you to hear this very loudly and clearly to follow Jesus is to leave where you are comfortable, to leave yourself behind, and to follow after Jesus. And the way of Jesus leads to a cross. Now, I'm not telling you that you're going to be crucified necessarily, okay? Like physically crucified. However, to follow Jesus means to crucify your flesh, which means to say no to sin and yes to God. It means to follow after him. It says no to my desires. See, see a lot of times we think that it, all it is is just avoiding sin. We need to ask the question, what am I doing in my life that's pointing me towards Jesus and all those things that are keeping me from following him and knowing him more? I have to crucify those because I'm following after him and his plan. And Jesus said, if you've left these things, if you've left your house, if you've left your family because of me, if you've left these things, now... Here is a blessing that you're going to have a hundredfold now of these things, of houses, of, goes on, verse, 29, uh, verse 30 says, you will receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. 
and in the age to come eternal life. So here's the thing. Right now you're going to get all these things, the, the things you left, the house, the family, the children, all those things now. You're going to have persecutions, and you'll have eternal life in the end. There, here's this, all these blessings. So here, let me tell you, first off, here's what this is not saying. If we were prosperity gospel people, we'd stop before the with persecutions part, okay? And we, I would just tell you here, and, it, and I'll bet you we could, I could really jazz you up right now if I were to go. And Jesus said, if we've left all to follow him, oh, let me tell you, you're going to have a big house, hundredfold. What size is your house now? If you're following him, it's going to be a hundredfold. So take your square footage, time it by a hundred, and there you go. <sighs> Can't be what that means because none of the disciples got that in this life. Most of them didn't, weren't married, or if they were married, their wives probably took off. Probably in Paul's case, that was what happened. Or they died, or we don't know. And all of them experienced persecution. All the disciples who he's talking to experienced great persecution. They, they experienced all this stuff. So they didn't necessarily get like this huge house, living high on the hog on the hill. You know what they got? They got the blessings of the family of God. go to camp with students. I love it. It's one of my favorite things to do. And usually when we go to the camp with students, there is a buffet type area where you can have as much food as you want. And usually they know that kids don't want asparagus and Brussels sprouts, okay? So you got some options. You got like the normal healthy adult food that you can eat that won't make you feel like death. And I used, I never went to that until I got older, and I realized, like, if I eat pizza for three weeks or for a whole week long, I'm going to want to die, like, really bad, okay? Usually at camp, we come back hobbling anyway, but this is going to be bad. And so we would go, and they would have, you know, most, most of the time, the adults hitting the healthy options, and the kids are what? They're pizza and chicken strips and all that kind of stuff. And it's inevitable that right after dinner, one of the kids will say, I'm really hungry. Now, sometimes that's just teenage boy hormones. It's like, I ate seven pounds of pasta. I'm still hungry, okay? Which that exists, and that's true. But a lot of it was there was this huge, bountiful blessing in front of them, all this food, and they just didn't take advantage of it. They were just like, and I'll just, I'll have some corn, some ice cream, which I've seen before, like a bowl of corn and an ice cream cone. I've seen that at camp before. That's why they all come back like dehydrated and <laughs> like walking like zombies, okay? That is exactly what it is with the church of God. These are one of the blessings when Peter says, hey, this rich young man, before we just saw Jesus, he won't leave his possessions, but we have left everything to follow you. What do we get? And Jesus is saying, you get now a hundredfold houses and children and brothers and sisters. And what is he talking about? The people of God. And oftentimes, we look at the church or the people of God not as a blessing, but sometimes as a stumbling block. And I want to tell, tell, tell you this, that Jesus is giving and telling these disciples that the 
the family of God, the church of God is a blessing to be pressed into, to be drawn near to. And if you put the time in it, it will be a blessing for you. We've left everything, Jesus. What do we get? Now you're going to get a hundredfold family and houses. Where's that going to come? It's going to come through the people of God. We don't look at it that way because some of us have had bad church experiences before. We don't look at it that way because we don't, maybe we don't know what a church is supposed to be like. We don't look at it that way because we know that we love people in our church, but there are many people that we still love who annoy us to, to the highest degree. And they say things that you wouldn't say, and they do things that you wouldn't do, and they come from a culture that you don't necessarily like. And before you know it, you love them, but you like to love them at a distance. But I want to tell you this. God has given here, we see in this passage, he has given a great blessing to the people of God who live in a difficult world. It's a difficult world, is it not? And that blessing is the people of God. They're not perfect. They got huge flaws. Some groups have greater flaws than others. However, it is one of these blessings that God has for us and for us not to take full advantage of it is like having a buffet set before us and being like, I'm still hungry. Why am I so unfulfilled? Why? It's because you're not pressing in, drawing near to the blessings God has given you, especially the people of God. Now, I want you to know this. What does it mean when he says in verse 30, you receive a hundredfold now houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands? What, is that, what does that mean? Well, I can give you a couple examples of what that means. A couple years ago, Clint's PT Cruiser on the way back from Passion I hope this is not too soon. I know you miss it. It blew a timing belt. We're all driving back. We had a great time of passion, and all of a sudden, the PT Cruiser just shuts down on the interstate, and he pulls over to the side, and we come back. He's like, Matt, the car broke down. We come back. We send all the rest of them around and, and on back up here to Tennessee, and we are right outside Chattanooga, south in uh, near Chickamauga. That's going to come back into play, okay? Just remember Chickamauga. And so we were sitting on the side of the interstate. Thankfully, we had coffee and donuts, okay, which was awesome. And we sat there for an hour waiting on a tow truck. And it's freezing, and every time a car passes by, that little PT Cruiser was, I mean, it, it, was, it was bad news. So we kept calling, and we were like in the, like the no-man zone. My roadside assistance covered every area but the little sliver of land that we were in. I had two of them. I went on my phone, and we had one through my insurance company. It wasn't covered. His roadside assistance wouldn't do anything, and so we're just kind of stuck and waiting there and not knowing what we're going to do and how this is going to get fixed, and I remembered something. One of my good friends and brothers in Christ in Macon his parents lived in Chickamauga. You don't forget Chickamauga because that's a fun word to say, Chickamauga. And, we, and I saw the exit sign. I was like, we're close to Chickamauga. I'm going to call the Yawns in Chickamauga. So I called my friend Thomas. So I say, Thomas, do you think that your parents, I mean, I'm in trouble. Do you think your parents can help us out? Absolutely. So the tow truck driver shows up. It took forever and he finally got us on there and so me and Clint and this gigantic 
tow truck driver are crammed into one little cab. I'm sitting in the middle with the gear shift, like, and I'm kind of hugging Clint because I don't want to be touching this guy. We got real close, you know? And so this is all true. If you want to ask Clint, this is how it went down. And so we w- drove up with the car. And they took it to a shop, and he dropped us off at a Waffle House just outside of Chickamauga. And his and my friends, Thomas's parents, the Yawns, they picked us up at this Waffle House. And they took us back to their house. And we got to have great fellowship with them, talked about some of their kids are missionaries. One of, them is, uh, one of their kids is a missionary in Madagascar. Many of them are following Christ. We had this great time of fellowship together. They let us sleep in their big house, which at this point, they're kind of empty nesters now, so we had the lay of the land, made us breakfast the next day, took us to the rent-a-car place in Chattanooga where we got the smallest smart car ever, or like, what was that thing? Uh, it was a Mini, and we were driving like a cardboard box all the way back up here. And and what happened? Why did that take place? It was the people of God. We had got that house. They said, this house is like your house. Enjoy. Woke up. They made muffins. Yes. I think we had cookies when we got there, which we had just had waffles. So that probably wasn't the best thing, but of course we ate them. They opened that door. And, and you know, I've met Thomas's parents, my, the yawns, I've met them a handful of times, but our interaction was not huge. But they took us in because we were connected through the family of God, and we just felt at home and at peace and comfortable, and we were welcomed in with the hospitality, and that is what it means to have a hundredfold. I've seen it before in in Haiti, when I went in 2010 for my sister-in-law's wedding, we went to a church there. And I didn't understand anything they were saying because it's in Creole. I don't speak Creole. I know one phrase, sock passe, which means, what's up, okay? And everybody thought that I spoke Creole because I was like, what's up, everywhere. And then it didn't. And they would go off and I'd be like, sock passe, okay? <laughs> That's what I would say. And when I went into this, when I went into this church, it they sang songs to God. And I would recognize the melody. I wouldn't recognize the words, but I know we were, what we were singing. And I, when they gave the offering, now they do it differently than, than we do. They had this like cool conga line, offering conga line. The people are playing and the people are going down and they're singing this song. And I asked my, my sister-in-law to translate and she said, saying, God gave to us, we give back to him. It's all his anyway. And that was the dance they were doing. And I was like, man, I like that. And they were coming down, and we took communion together. And I had, felt, I had brothers and sisters who I never met, but they left, like, accepted us in. And I felt, though very foreign and strange, there was that connection. And what is it? It's the people of God. And that is the blessing of God, is the people of God. And that is one of the things. We've left everything, Jesus. What do we get? Well, you right now, a hundredfold, you get houses and lands and brothers and sisters. That's one of just many examples of how the people of God are a gift from God. And it also says along with persecutions, right? (laughs) That's like, you get all this stuff, you get land, you get houses, you get brothers and sisters and children, and with persecutions on the side. <laughs> like, it's like fries with that. 
you get this persecution. And I want you to know something. The re- one of the reasons that we don't see the family of God as the blessing that it is is because we don't, it doesn't cost us what it cost, costs most believers to actually join the family of God. In many cultures, and especially to the first century Jew, to follow Jesus was to embrace kind of a death to your people because you are following this man, Jesus, as opposed to the, the historical Judaism. Jesus being the fulfillment of it. You left, and sometimes sometimes your family was fine with it, and sometimes your family followed along and believed in Jesus, but other times you were put out of the synagogue, you were cast out. That's definitely what happened to the apostles, and it also it continues to happen throughout the world. In our culture, it doesn't mean much different. Most of the time, your family's still going to accept you, in our culture, if you're put out, okay? They may think you're weird, and they may not understand your decisions, and they may, think you, they may think you're nuts, but they usually invite you to family dinner, okay, or the get-together. But that was not the case along with them. That's why he says with persecutions, you're going to get all this stuff and you're going to get persecutions. And I want you to know something. Persecutions make us, make us understand and love the family of God more. When, I was, when Amy and I were in seminary, we left Panama City, Florida and moved to Louisville, Kentucky. What were we thinking? Panama City is beautiful. Louisville is like... Indiana South. It's gray and cold, and we thought we had jackets, but we didn't, and I think we almost got, like, rickets from lack of vitamin C, and there was no suns. We didn't get vitamin D, okay? We were walking around, bones cracking. The first year we were there, I don't think the sun, like, shone. It was just not cool, okay? And we were also we were very family-oriented people, and we had moved from all of our family, which in Florida, to Louisville, Kentucky. The closest people were 12 hours away by car. Most of them were about 15. And we were up there, and we got into a church, into a small group, and those, sm- those people in our small group came some of our dearest friends, and there was one year we couldn't go back home for Thanksgiving. And so what happened? We had a Thanksgiving together. All of us crammed into this one little tiny apartment in Louisville. I think there was about 20 of us, and we all made a different side. We all came there. We're all broke as jokes, and we're all trying to serve Jesus, and there was a fellowship and family there that helped bridge the gap that I wasn't with my, with my folks. That wasn't even persecution. That was just a difficulty. And so here's the idea that the, the church of God is the family of God. And we don't see it as the family of God because, number one, we don't recognize it as a blessing. Sometimes we just see it as a burden. The, the other thing about it is this. We, when, it, when we encounter persecutions, then we know that the people who are really with us are the people of God. Now, they fail and fall short. I get that. But we need to recognize that the family of God is a blessing from God. That's who we are. We're part of a family. And so the call for us is this, to recognize that the people of God are a family of God and then to draw near, to press in. And here's, how, here's some ways. I'm just going to get real practical with you. Here's some ways to press in to the family of God. You start with corporate worship. You see the, old, the early church doing this all the time. And they worshiped on, on Sundays and, and it wasn't a day off. That's why you got that one scene in, in the book of Acts where Paul's preaching and the dude falls out and, like, dies. And then it has to be resurrected. It's because they're doing it at the end of a work day. 
and they're worshiping together. It wasn't even that conducive or easy. So draw. So start with corporate worship. So here's the deal: if you're feeling disconnected or you're you're not you're not feeling a connection with the church, I want to ask you this: Are you being faithful and consistent in corporate worship? Because that is one of the ways we press in to the people of God. Secondly, hang around. I just don't know anybody. Well, if you like Roadrunner, as soon as it's over, like, you know what I mean, Roadrunner, and then like there's a cloud of you, how are you going to get to know somebody? Well, I just thought I'd get to know. That doesn't work anywhere else. Hang around. Don't, don't let it in there, though. Make lunch plans. That's one of the things that my small group when I was in Louisville, we did. When we saw somebody new, especially a new seminarian couple that came in, we knew what life was like, and we knew what they were going into, and so many of us had had difficult health issues or something. When we saw somebody come to our small group for the first time, you know what we did? Hey, you want to go lunch? Even before they knew us. And I bet you every time they were like, I, don't, I guess so. You asked me to lunch really quickly. And, and a lot of times family members came out of that situation, so go to lunch Come when we have a church event or a study. I can't connect with people. Well, are you here to connect with people? Are you making an effort? Join a small group. They're all around. We started them different times. Seek out a place to serve. A lot of times, the, clo- the people you make some of the closest friends with are the people you serve with and get in the trenches with. I've definitely seen that, how close we've gotten together, those who of us are working in the youth ministry, because we're in, we're in the trenches together, the trenches that have whipped cream and bananas and you know crazy stuff that you know games and what have you seek out a place to serve seek to serve one another and then show hospitality invite someone over if you got if you're the family of god press into that if it's a blessing you should press into it we're missing out on what god has for us if we don't draw near Press in to the family of God. Now, I want you to, here's some, start, some starting ways, but I want to get this really clearly. If Jesus said this is a blessing, you're going to have a hundredfold now with persecutions, and then you're going to have eternal life to come. If this is the blessing right now is the people of God, I want, I want to encourage you to act, to be active and not passive when it comes to the people of God. I want to encourage you to be active and not passive. What do you mean? Now, listen, I'm going to say something right now that, listen, if this is you, and this is not meant to beat you down, but I need to encourage all of us in this, okay? There are many who say, and for different reasons, okay, and I'm not here to throw a stone at you because life is hard and complex, am I right? It's hard. Some Sometimes are harder than others. But there are many in the church, not necessarily this one, but in general, who say, man, I just don't fit in. It's not making a connection. I, I, I just don't feel a part. Often, not always, but often, those saying such, such things are not actively seeking connections, but are passively waiting for someone to connect with them. And I want you to know something. That is not a healthy behavior. At least not for a long period of time. There are times when you just need people to minister to you and you don't have much emotional capital to give back. But if that becomes the tenor of your life, all you're doing is taking and not giving, and that is not the sacrificial, cross-bearing life that Christ has called us to. And so I'm calling each of us to actively and sacrificially seek connection with each other. Connection for the purposes of godliness. Connection for the purposes of mission. And I want you to think, I want you to think about this. 
if there was a, a young couple who met each other and after their first date decided to get married and then were married two weeks later, what would you say to that person? What would you, okay, maybe what you would not, maybe you wouldn't say it. Some would say it. Okay, some would be like, mm, this would be your inner monologue, either say it or inner monologue, you are a psycho. What are you doing? You don't know anything about this person. They're giving you their best. You haven't seen their worst yet. You haven't seen the, the man cold, okay? You know what I'm talking about. Oh, I feel sick. I got the sniffles. Call the undertaker, okay? That... <laughs> You know, guys, it's it's the truth. I don't feel good. You're walking around like Eeyore, okay? Your wife's like, get over it, okay? I've had a cold for a, a year and I'm still still helping the kids. I, I I know. I resemble that, okay? You haven't been that. Most people who get married and have successful relationships, they spend time getting to know each other. And if you still have a successful marriage, you continue after to make the effort to get to know each other and to build that relationship, right? Why? Because it's what you're supposed to do. It's what you're called to. It's what, it's what means a lot. It, it, and there are levels where you're like dissatisfied and levels where you are satisfied, but more than anything else, you know because of the promises you made before God and the covenant and, and, what, and you know that God's ways are better than your ways, you keep pressing into that and you keep going into the relationship and seeking that out. And I want you to know something. God has called you to be a part of a local church. And some might say, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You might not, but it's a good idea. You don't have to go home to be married, but it always works out the best when you do. Right? <laughs> Love you. See you in three years. See you at Easter. I don't feel connected. I don't know why. I want to propose to you that most of the time when we feel disconnected and dissatisfied, I don't want to say most of the time, often, maybe. It's because we're not actively seeking to make a difference and to connect and to worship and to be different. And this is a book by Matt Chandler called The Mingling of Souls. Use this for marriage counseling. And a man named Gary Thomas made an observation about marriage. That I want to read to you. I know it's not great to read a book and you can read a book, but I want to connect this idea of this God called relationship of marriage and the God called relationship of a church and the people in it. And I want you to, I want you to hear these words. Whenever marital dissatisfaction rears its head in my marriage, whenever you're dissatisfied, in, in, when, this is Gary Thomas writing in this book, whenever marital dissatisfaction rears its head in my marriage, as it does in virtually every marriage, I simply check my focus. The times that I'm happiest and most fulfilled in my marriage are the times when I'm intent on drawing meaning and fulfillment from being a better husband rather than demanding a better wife. So he's saying, the time I'm happiest, happiest and most satisfied is not where I'm looking at my wife and saying, I wish you were better. 
I wish you did this better. I wish you did that. I wish you did that. He said the times that he's most satisfied is when he's focused on himself and what he needs to be doing to make the, the marriage better. Going on, he says, if you're a Christian, the reality is that, biblically speaking, you can't swap your spouse for someone else, but you can change yourself. And the change can bring the fulfillment that you mistakenly believe is found only by changing partners. In one sense, it's comical. Yes, we need a change partner, but the partner that needs to change is not our spouse, it's us. I don't know why this works. I don't know how you can be unsatisfied maritally and then offer yourself to God to bring about change in your life and suddenly find yourself more satisfied with the same spouse. I don't know why this works, only that it does work. It takes time, but by time I mean maybe years. But if your heart is driven by the desire to draw near to Jesus, you find joy by becoming like Jesus. And so here's what I want you to understand. I want us to draw near, and that involves an active seeking out of connection, an active seeking out of those in our body and fellowship to connect with them, to to encourage them, to seek them out. And so here's the problem I want you to know, I want us to attack all of us, is not, let, don't let us be passive. If you want to change, if you want to see change, you be that change. You go after people. And you seek out that relationship. It works in marriage. At times I'm happiest in my marriage where I'm not thinking about Amy's flaws. I'm thinking about how I can serve her. And the same goes with our church. Because if this is the bride of Christ, and we're called to be in his people, and we're not perfect, nobody's saying that, and we could do a lot better, I guarantee you. And we're going to work towards that. We could be more pure. We're trying to do the best we can. We're seeking the Lord. But here's what I We're only good as, our, as good as our component parts. Our head is amazing. He's the best. He's the highest. It's the Christ. He's Jesus. And we're seeking to worship him and love him and call people. And here's what I want, church. There's this blessing of the family of God that we may not be tapping into. And one of the reasons we may not be tapping into it is because we're being passive and not active. And I want to call us to draw near to one another so that we might draw others near. So here's how we're going to end in this time together. In a minute, Clint's going to sing. And you can sing, you can pray, you can let the words wash over you. This is just a time, it's a little bit of space to let what we were talking about kind of penetrate our hearts and to do some business with the Lord. And maybe you need to Take the next step of reaching out to somebody. You may feel disconnected. You want somebody to pray with you. You grab somebody and pray with you. You may need just to do, repent of some attitudes or some unforgiveness. You didn't seek that. You may just need some encouragement, and you may just ask the Lord, God, send some encouragers my way. God wants to move through his word. So let's stand. We're going to pray, and we're going to sing together. Father, we come, move in our midst. God, help us draw close to you. And we say, if we draw near, you'll draw near. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, I've heard a thousand stories 
Thank you, Lord. You may be seated. You are lovely folks. I want to dismiss us with these promises of God. For, hear this blessing. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Walk in the spirit of adoption, not slavery. You're dismissed.